If you want to make music and you want to create, don't wait for inspiration to strike. Instead, show up to do the work and be consistent about it, even when you're at your worst, even when it feels like the last thing that you want to do. And then, perhaps equally important, when inspiration does hit, ride its wave fully until it fully fades. Inspiration in the way that I'm speaking of right now is comprised of a few things. First, it often, but not always, takes shape of an idea. Then the idea sometimes becomes an obsession. And in that obsession, you gain a hearty helping of motivation to bring the idea to life. Now, the motivation that comes with this inspiration, in this sense, feels endless. It feels indefatigable. It feels unstoppable. But to treat it as such is probably unwise. Instead, recognize it as temporary. And if you recognize its fleeting nature and you can move into it, you'll be poised to make the very most out of it while you can. So over this last weekend, I was struck by inspiration. I didn't have an idea in the form of a lyric or a melody or a riff on the guitar. Rather, I had the idea, it was very simple, to sit down and compose some music using a seaboard. This came into my consciousness as an obviously worthwhile thing to do, though it's not something that I've made time for in a while, and it's not something I've thought about for a while. Just as a side note, a seaboard is an instrument that I had no business in buying. It popped up in my YouTube feed one day, and I was so mesmerized by it that I made the uncharacteristically impetuous decision to buy one that very evening. I just put it on a payment plan, and I had justified it because my wrists were out of sorts at the time. I couldn't play the guitar, which is my main means of composing. And because I've always wanted to learn how to play piano anyway, I figured, why not? I could press lighter on the keys and my tendonitis won't scream as bad. So anyway, I purchased it. So I sat down, I booted up the computer, I opened up the digital audio workstation, in this case Cubase, and I found a sound preset that I liked, and I played two notes that sounded good next to each other. And that's it. And those two notes, just those two notes, became the basis for a full composition that I obsessed over for about a week. And my week disappeared in a daze of deep composing. It was a strange week to have barely noticed, too, since my family members had some acute health challenges. I had a birthday in the middle of it. There were just other things that seemed like they would have captivated my attention. But they melted into the background as some sort of noise in light of the inspiration that I was writing. Of course, it doesn't mean that I didn't tend to my family as important. I didn't ignore it. But my mind was glued to the composition, just obsessing over it. Every spare moment I had, I would devote to it. I would stay up late, neglecting my schedule, just something that I rarely do. And my wife was like, why are you still awake? I'm just glued to the screen, working on this thing. And in a blink, the week was gone. I barely remember it. But the composition is nearly finished. In fact, I'm really stoked to share it with you. That's what inspiration can feel and be like. And it can bear beautiful fruit. It can be a joy. But it's not without its pain. Because in a way, the whole thing is kind of painful. I mean, your mind seems utterly hijacked by an idea, and you obsess over the most minute details with a compulsiveness that can sometimes be nauseating. But you get through it, and it ends up being worth it. You ended up using it. You ended up riding the wave. And oddly enough, by the time the inspiration wears off, it's almost like I was intoxicated. I mean, you look at what you were doing, you barely remember doing it if you're like me, you're not sure you like it. And you start to doubt it. You suddenly notice all of its flaws, and you might even be totally sick of it because you've heard it so many times. And at that point, you got to give it a rest. you got to move on to something else. Hopefully, you don't forget about it entirely or abandon it along the way, but it seems that taking a step back is certainly a necessary part of the process. 
something that I think is worth mentioning about this stepping back phenomenon, which is something that I learned probably foremost from Stephen King, is we seldom appreciate all the different versions of ourselves that are going to encounter our work. And we can hardly account for all of the different versions of every other person who will encounter our work, especially in a way that's particularly accurate. You know, we really don't know what people are going to experience and we can't. And yet, this is always what happens when we make something and we share it. We have to listen to it over and over again, while in the intoxicated state of inspiration, perhaps. But we also have to listen to it when we sober up, as we start looking at it critically. Then we got to listen to it again and consider the idea of sharing it with someone else. And the very thought brings to the surface a host of emotions and objections that weren't there before. Now, over and over again, our mood changes, we change, and we still have to encounter our work. And if we share it, we must encounter it once again through the eyes and ears and mood and personality changes of countless others. The reason why I bring this up is in this way, the work isn't actually ours, and it never really was. It belongs way more to every other person who experiences it, including every other version of you, than the you that created it. Why it's useful to keep that in mind is to recognize stepping back and getting some objectivity is one of the most powerful things you can do to finish a piece of work, actually finish what you start and share it instead of getting caught up in self-doubt that can come with thinking that it's not good enough to be shared. It's like it doesn't really belong to you and you're going to experience it a hundred different ways between now and when you die anyway and so will everyone else. So it's just kind of like, let it go, let it go. I think it's probably better served that way. Now, if you've never felt this sort of inspiration, that's okay. Or if you have felt it but haven't felt it in a while, that's okay too. Because you can set yourself up to be inspired. You can do things to prime the pump, to make it all the more likely that you'll get lucky, because that's really what it is, and then be poised to make the most out of that luck when it comes. But if you're never struck by inspiration, you're also at a distinct advantage. This is what I want to emphasize. Being inspired is like being high. I mentioned that. It's like being intoxicated. And again, it doesn't come without its edges. And once you get high, you're all the more likely to want to get high again. And so you'll wait for it. You'll hope for it. You'll chase it. You'll get attached or even addicted to it. And what happens then? Well, if you're waiting, you might wait forever. And in the meantime, you aren't doing any of the creative work that you're meant to do. If you're hoping and you're praying for inspiration, you're focused less on the task at hand and the hard work that needs to get done and more on the wish for something to be different than the way it is. And paradoxically, it's what you are and what you have right now at your disposal that is the best resource for doing your most meaningful creative work even though you are going to change over time. It's like that's the way that you can, can truly capture a moment by writing something based on where you are right now. So if you're attached or addicted to inspiration, you'll be too damn distracted by an itch to scratch. And it's an itch that you can't control, both in that you have it at all and that you can't scratch it on your own. You can't control it. And, and, and because you're so distracted by it, you're too distracted to do the creative work you were made to do, let alone do it well. So the advantage of never being inspired is that you get to be a pro instead. Just to use the terminology of Stephen Pressfield, he's the guy who wrote the book, The War of Art and uh, Do the Work and uh, Turning Pro and a few other books I'd definitely recommend. You establish the routines, the habits, and the protocols instead that when acted upon and honored over time compound into consistent creative output that tends to increase in quality because of your quantity and frequency of sessions. Now, the side benefit of this commitment to showing up and rolling up your sleeves to dig as deep as you can and work no matter what is that you'll often get struck by inspiration. 
You'll be smiled upon and favored by the muse, so to speak. But even if you're not, and this is critical, because there's surely no guarantee that you will, you will have done the work. You'll have done something. You'll have something to show for it, which is much more than most would-be or want-to-be creatives will ever have. They're long on ideas, short on execution. They start countless projects and finish none. Or they finish some projects, but so few that they end up sucking the bone marrow out of a tiny trickle of former accomplishments, doomed to be a has-been for all their remaining days. That's not you. You're a consistent creator. You're grateful for inspiration when it's there, and are smart enough to make the very most of it during its temporary stay. And with that, tell me, what have you created lately? <laughs>